Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. This week I have a chat with Martin O'Donnell, a professional from London. He's currently 84 in the world rankings, recently a semi-finalist in the shootout, and I had a good chat with Martin about his background, his current career, and his hopes for the future. So Martin, how did you get into snooker? How did you discover the sport? Well, uh, my mum and dad always watched it um, from when I was a young kid so my mum's a massive snooker mm. fan um, and then I basically started playing pool first down my local uh, sort of working men's club um, that my dad took me to so I've got three older sisters and an older brother and yeah we were taken there from a young age but there was a pool table there and you used to have to be eight years of age and when I was young I was dying to get on it <laughs> right. and and uh, yeah, had to just be patient. Mm. Got got a little table for Christmas one year. Mm. Started playing, but I was much more into my football when I was younger. Mm. Um, I played for a pro club, Wickham Wanderers, for for a few, two or three years, and then yeah, when that sort of went the wrong way, I took the snooker up a bit more, and just fell in love with it. And what in what way did it go the wrong way at Wickham? Well, they let me go. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> So it wasn't a choice because you hear some players they like make a choice between schools. No, it wasn't a choice. Yeah. No, they let me go. Yeah. Uh, I was quite shy when I was young. Mm. I didn't really have a lot of social confidence, mm. and yeah, I just didn't. It kind of knocked me back mm. uh, a lot, to be fair. And then um, yeah, I suppose playing all the way through the winter months mm. became less appealing as well, mm. and knocking a few balls around the warm snooker room. Mm. Uh, became a bit more appealing mm. and the fact I, I was a little bit good at it mm. you know it just went from there really Were you good right from the start? Because some players do have a sort of natural eye don't they? Yeah I've always had great hand-eye coordination mm. uh, so I've been I was one of those sort of all-rounders good at sports at school mm. um, but I, I was a late start with snooker so I didn't I didn't play my first junior comp until I was 15 I think yeah. Um and I did okay. Mm. I, beat, I beat a couple of the lads who were apparently in the like the top eight or ten mm. 
in my first tournament that was at Willie Thorns in Leicester uh, and yeah that gave me the bug for it really mm. that gave me the bug for it so I was a bit of a late starter um, mm. but yeah I, I knuckled down and sort of progressed quite a lot between mm. 15 and 18 Big difference though between pool and snooker isn't it everyone sort of says they're the same but it's not at all Oh it's totally mm. different games totally different games um, you know it's just the balls are different and the white ball's smaller in pool uh, there's no space on the table. I did a pool exhibition for a charity event uh, a few weeks back and I went and did a little bit of practice for it because I thought well, I'd just do a little mm. bit of practice. Oh, it's just a totally different game. It might be easy to pot on that, but mm. the, you know, with the table being so small and a lot of balls, it's, it's congested. So mm. yeah, they're, they're totally different games mm. really. Mm. So how did you sort of progress? You know, you talk about the, the junior scene. Um, were you, you said you were 15 when you played your first one was, was that then the start of a run of them did you sort of keep on going in the, in the juniors yeah I did um, I, didn't, I didn't go to all of them I didn't, didn't find out about many um, but I started, started to find out about the EASB mm. junior comps so I started playing in them when I was 16 really um, my mum and dad were never really that wealthy so practice time was a bit limited and going away to tournaments was a bit limited as well uh, but they helped me absolutely as much as they could um, and I got a part time job and started funding myself a little bit uh, my dad used to drive me absolutely everywhere so yeah I definitely wouldn't be playing snooker if it weren't for them and how rapidly did you sort of improve did you, find, did you feel yourself improving yeah I did um, when I was 15 so Martin Gould joined our club at that stage where I was playing in North Harrow and yeah I started to practice with him a fair bit and he was bringing me along quite a lot and he got me to go into the junior comps really he said go and have a try and see what it is mm. and yeah I, when I went there there was you know there was a handful of players that were probably clearly better than me mm. but I thought past that actually I'm not that far behind these guys um, so I had a massive conversation with my mum and dad when I was 16 uh, they wanted me to go to college and stuff and I did but I only stuck it out for about five weeks right. and I had a, I just I begged them I said look please can I, can I just go and do snooker I managed to sort out some free practice in the club you know I said look I'll get a part time job I'll pay for my tournaments you know I'd, I'd really love a crack at this and if it doesn't work out you can always study a bit later on in life mm. um, and luckily they were they, they were supportive and, mm. and hopefully now it's starting to pay off it's, it's, in, it's interesting because it's usually mothers who worry uh, about and was your mum sort of more no I'm not sure about this snooker sort of thing. yeah well my yeah. dad was as well he, <laughs> yeah. he wanted me to do my education mm. they both did um, you know they said look do, do your college get your A levels and then at 18 you can do and to be honest that was probably sound advice mm. um, I probably should have done that um, but at the same time, I had two years where I played Martin Gould for every day when I was sure. 16. And he used to absolutely hammer me every day mm. in practice. You know, he'd beat me 25-1, mm. 25-2, things like that. You know, and I remember the first day I got like five frames off him, I went, I went home skipping. <laughs> and I still lost like 19-5 or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but that was a massive apprenticeship for me. And it's... You know, it taught me a lot how to mm. play. Mm. And it helped me a lot because I went to my junior comps and all of a sudden I was getting five chances of frame that I weren't getting against yeah. Martin and then I started to do well. Yeah. So yeah. I won my first junior comp 
um, just before my 17th birthday, which is the uh, East Anglian under 17s. And I beat Jimmy Robertson in the final, funnily mm-hmm. enough. Which right. We still laugh about it to this day. <laughs> Um, because he had lost in it three in the final three. that was his third year running mm. and obviously he was too old to play in it the yeah. following year but yeah. so yeah so it really helped me to, to progress yeah I think you sort of we first maybe became aware of you when you, you got to the final of the English Amateur Championship um, lost to Mark Joyce that's right but that's like a big deal because that's like Snooker's oldest tournament and loads of great players have been in finals and won it yeah massively massively and, and Martin Gould had won it a couple of years pre- previous to that um you know, and I've always kind of played in his shadow from the clubs and stuff like that. So I wanted to go out there and, mm. and start making a name for me for myself. Mm. Um, so the English amateur final was was, was great to, to take part in that, and I was I was devastated to lose that because I felt like at the time I felt like I was being a bit more adventurous in the game. Mm. But when I look back at it, Mark Joyce he did a he did a proper match play mm. job on me. Mm. And uh, yeah, he beat me eight three. But then that opened the door to a lot of other things because we played the final at the World yeah. Automobile Club yeah. in in Pall Mall. Mm. And and a year later, they offered me a a job there as their resident pro. Mm. Um, and I worked there for five years um, whilst still playing snooker. So they gave me time off my tournaments. Mm. I was earning a nice wage there. Mm. Um, you know, and that opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah. And eventually, when I turned pro, I had to move on from there mm. um, because there's you know with Barry come in there's 20 yeah. tournaments yeah. that's a little bit too much to yeah. they couldn't give me that much time off yeah. and, and you can't expect it so yeah I was going to ask you about that the, the RAC club because um, like I've been there and it's not it's not a snooker club it's not you don't just roll in in your jeans you've got to, <laughs> you've got to dress in your suit and even if you dress in your suit you can still see them looking at you thinking you know you're not smart enough for us it's a proper place isn't it it is a proper place. It's a very prestigious club. Um, and like you say, you know, if you haven't got your time on and your top button done up, mm. you know, they're, they're very old school in there. And but how was that for you? Because you've come through sort of snooker club culture, where it's not that at all. It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But um, but it, it was nice, actually, because, you know, I was going to work in a suit, so I was practising in, in a shirt and, and trousers every day. Um, so that gets you used to, to it a little bit. And, it, and it's a bit more professional. So I think that's helped me become a bit more professional mm. in what I was doing rather than just knocking a few balls around your local scruffy club mm. you know actually uh, I was working it was a job I was there and, and that really stood me in good stead to be honest and what were your sort of duties did you were you coaching the, the, the yeah so there was two of us so there was me and Katie Henry yeah um, so she was there and yeah so we, we would coach the members uh, basically just look after the room mm. because it's a members club if people brought guests in you know you charge them a guest fee um, we looked after the tables and maintained them and we organised competitions mm. uh, for the members um, but yeah generally we just looked after the room mm. made sure everyone was behaving and, mm. and were they all behaving because quite some characters there I'm guessing no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no it's very difficult it's very difficult especially Christmas time there mm. because the committee, the snooker committee there, that you know, it's looked at as a serious room and it's a beautiful, beautiful billiard room that they've got there. And you know, they cherish it and rightly so, and they want everyone to behave in the right way there. Yeah, problem is, you have Christmas parties mm. in December, and then people are coming down from dinner, mm. you know, and they've all had a few bottles of wine and they want to be a bit boisterous. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't easy in mm. there at times, mm. especially as a young guy at the time, I was only 20. 
21 when I started there. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're having to tell 40 or 50 year old mm-hmm. guys who have had a few drinks and diplomatically tell them <laughs> that they've had one too many to be right. playing snooker. And, and you know, some guys are great and they took that on board, and others would go, <laughs> Who are you to be telling me that? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't easy in there at times, mm-hmm. but that was a very small percentage of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a lot of fond memories from the yeah. RAC club. But as you say, eventually you look into turn professional. Um, as I remember it, you, you, you won the Snooker Backer Classic, you won that, and you got your fee paid for Q School. That's right. Yeah. So that was obviously a massive bonus. Yeah, that was a massive bonus, um, for sure. Um, one of my sponsors, Kevin Starr, who comes with me to, to all my tournaments, I, I'd won his tournament mm. about two months before the Snooker Backer Classic. Um, so I went there, that was an invitational event, and I was, I was looking for money there, so I won his tournament, and then I played in the Snooker Backer Classic, and he, yeah, that paid for my entry for Q School. And I think he paid four PTC events as well right. uh, for the entry. So, you know, it was a big boost to win those comps um, because then you know you're in good form. And I went to Q School and I got on on at the first event. And um, it really, you know, there's nothing like winning. Mm. You know, winning breeds confidence. Mm. So when you get in the habit of, of winning, mm. you know, you, you've got a seven, ten point head start on the rest of the field yeah but Q School I mean it's a big pressure thing isn't it because it's that one shot a year I know there's obviously two or three events but it's that couple of week period where you're either going to be a pro or you're not but as you say you got through your first event yeah it's cutthroat I mean I I played in the Q School previously and I uh, and I lost in the last round to Kurt Mafflin where he didn't miss more lost 4-1 and that was that but you know it is cutthroat Q school, and I think where it, where you could be unlucky with it is if you fell in. Yes. Around that time, so it's mm. two weeks of the year. Yeah. You know, if you come down with the flu or something like that, okay. Mister Hearn is going to say, "Tough luck." That's how it shouldn't goes. be ill. Shouldn't yeah. be ill. Yeah. Shouldn't be ill. Look <laughs> after yourself. You know, but these things can't be controlled. But you know, you've. Um, it's a great opportunity. Mm. It's a great opportunity. Um, it's hard, but at the same time, it's probably easier. You know, the, this new tour that they're doing, you're going to have 10 tournaments and stuff and you've got to try and finish in the top mm. two. That's way harder. How many more matches mm. have you got to win to finish in the top two in that sure. than actually go to Q School and win five matches in a mm. row? Mm. Um, so I think a lot of people go there with the wrong attitude to be honest, because it is such a pressure thing, mm. but you've got to, um, but it's new to us. Mm. So I think to adopt the, the mentality you need for Q School is probably taking people a few years. Mm. And since I've dropped off the tour, you know, that's what I found when you go back to Q School, you see all these amateurs who you haven't really played in a lot of stuff mm. throughout the whole year, or they've gone to PTCs, they're not earning any money. You can see the pressure on them that this is my two weeks. Mm. Um, so I've always said a, a, a guy who's fallen off the tour who goes to Q School has got a massive advantage over the amateurs mm. and that might not be the case anymore with mm. the new challenge tour that they're doing. Yeah. At least the amateurs will, should have a bit of confidence, mm. maybe a little bit of money behind them mm. um, and they'd have been playing all year. Um, 
So how, how did you feel? So you, you got through the event. You're a professional now. You're like, that's, but that's only the start, isn't it? That's not the end of it. You've now got a... You're thrown into the pro ranks against yeah. like the top stars of the game. Yeah, it's really strange because you've worked so long to turn pro and, you, and you know, the drive home was amazing because mm. you think, I've been working so hard for mm. this for so long. I've done it. Mm. But when you go home, sleep on it, the next day, wow, <laughs> you've got to reassess all your targets. Um, and you've got to start fresh again and, and knuckle down because the pro game is a totally different game. Um, so, yeah, I've always strived to improve myself in all aspects of the game. Um, since I've turned pro, I've realised you need to look after yourself off the table. You know, everything you do, talk, you know, your little routines at tournaments, it's 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 massive. It, you know, you've got you've got to treat every tournament. The same. Mm. I see a lot of players on tour prioritising different events because they're worth a bit more money mm. and stuff like that. I don't really think that's healthy. Uh, you never know when you're going to have a good run in a tournament. Mm. You know, there's a lot of money out there in it in all tournaments, really. Mm. Um, you know, so I don't. I don't think you should be looking at first round checks um, and what mm. they're paying and prioritising your tournaments like that. Mm. You know, I think you should just go out there. And Mm. and try and do well in every tournament you, you play and that, that first year you're on you're learning on the job aren't you you're learning like you say from experience of, of like you know how to approach certain matches or just how to be a professional because you're not really told are you you just sort of turn up with your cue and that's you that's it you're not told <laughs> yeah. you're not told you just you, you do learn you learn as tournaments go by the first year I got on so we were still on the old format at that stage mm. so you know you had four or five qualifying rounds to try and get to yeah. the last 32 um and I would never want to go back to that um, I know a lot of players are now saying go back to that but I wouldn't want to because you know I, I won quite a few matches that year where it didn't pay mm. sometimes the, the, the money didn't come in until round three mm. and stuff like that whereas at least now okay you might be playing a slightly harder match but at least if you win you, you're on some mm. some cash but yeah it's hard you've got to you've got to learn quickly you get punished um, you know where you weren't getting punished before in the amateur ranks mm. um, and you could play well and lose mm. you know and in the amateur ranks that wouldn't happen too often mm. um, but it can happen a lot on tour you know it's mm. tough out there you can play well and, and, and still get beat and that's hard to deal with sometimes mm. and also what's hard to deal with is the financial side obviously when you're starting out um, there's a lot of outlay they've done away with the entry fees now but in those days you had to pay entry fees there's travel expenses, all of that. Did you sort of appreciate how much that would cost when you started? Yeah, I always had an idea of it because of, you know, I knew Martin Gould and, and actually I went and played Alfie Burden for a few years when I moved to his club when I was 18. Um, you know, and so they always tell you, you know, what it, what it costs each year. So I, I knew what was involved. Um, I knew I had to look for some sponsorship. Um, I'd saved up a bit of money from the RAC when I was working there um, so I did know it was going to be expensive but mm. I knew if, if I knuckled down and played what I was capable of you know mm. I was backing myself to, to, to win money and, mm. and survive anyway because mm. it's not like it's not like a regular job like you said the RAC club but I guess at the end of the month you get a cheque you know you get paid into your bank account but although you're a professional snooker player you're not actually guaranteed anything because mm. you've got to win at least a match in every tournament to get, to get any money yeah, 
Absolutely, and that that's what um, keeps the job exciting, mm. and and you know that's what keeps you in the club. Mm. You know, when you there's a lot of downs in 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 snooker, especially there's downs in every sport. But I think there's unless you're a serial winner like three or four of the top boys, mm. there's probably a lot more downs than there is ups mm. in snooker. But you know, we're not on any guaranteed money, so you've got to realise that when you go home mm. you know don't sulk for two or three days when you go home get yourself back on the practice table work out where you've gone wrong you know and try and put it right the next time you go out there mm. and I've always believed you've always got to do that and you've always got to assess your game um, I've always been honest with myself you know you, sometimes it's hard to look yourself in the mirror and go actually am I doing everything I should be doing or I need to be doing to make myself a successful snooker player mm. Um, so I've always worked hard on that sort of stuff and you know thankfully it's it's starting to turn for me now mm. and that's the other thing you say about attitude it's important you know you turn pro if you then slip back and have to go back to Q school you have to have a good attitude about that and not sort of you know be down in the dumps about it I guess yeah absolutely um, so I, I've been working with Ian McCulloch now for mm. 18 months two years and he said it to me last year when I dropped off and he said listen he said if, if you drop off the tour it might not be the worst thing in the world he said you you imagine you go to Q school right and you get through you'd have played eight ten matches mm. it's a week before the qualifiers he said you're going to be sharper than any pro out there mm. so he put a very positive spin on something that can create a lot of anxiety actually mm. you know this time last year that's all you're worried about mm. am I going to stay on am I going to drop off um, but he's he's done a lot of work with me, and he's drummed it into me, and it's it's coming out of me now. It's mm. in a more natural way. Um, it, you know, if you go to Q school, you've got to use it as a positive. Mm. You know, you've got to go there and 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 you know enjoy the challenge of getting back on. Mm. You know, that's what I did last year, and 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 thankfully it turned right for me. Mm. And do you enjoy being a snooker player? Because obviously you're doing what you love, you're playing snooker, but to get to that, there's a lot of travelling, a lot of time away from home, flying around the world and so on. Do you like that aspect of it, or just, do you just accept that's part of the job? A bit of both. I, I love travelling, so I've always, lo I've always loved going to different cities mm. um, and playing snooker. I, I love, listen, there's no better job in the world mm. me. Um, I've practiced with Anthony Hamilton quite a bit and he came to me on Friday and before we started we just you know we said to each other it's not a bad job is it really <laughs> there's, there's far worse things to be doing out there um, and there's not many people in the world that are lucky enough to do something that they love um, so yeah it's a great job I love it going away and travelling is becoming a bit harder now um, as me and my missus Anna we've, we've just had a little boy um, 13 weeks ago so that's yeah that's become a bit harder now mm. when, you, when you're saying goodbye at home and you're going to be away for a few days or a week or mm. something that, that's a bit harder now um, but that gives me a lot of inspiration to come away and do well and, and, and make the absence from mm. being at home worthwhile mm. Well Watford isn't too far away from, from, where, <laughs> from where you live but you did really well there recently in the, in the shootout I mean that's kind of um, a nerve shredding event anyway but just talk us through that a, a, a great few days very exciting I'm guessing very nervy sort of few days it is nervy <laughs> the shootout is so unique it just it brings nerves like you've never experienced in another match on tour um, 
and it's only the shot clock that's all it yeah. is it's, yeah. you know if it was a one frame shootout with no time constraints you wouldn't you wouldn't get that nervous but you know having to you, the pressure of thinking on the spot you have to think on the spot mm. and think quickly and be decisive um, yeah that, that was a great few days that was a great few days I never really got carried away at any moment mm. to be honest because you, you just realised you could get bombed out of that mm. tournament at any stage without it being your fault mm. you know you could have a fluke you know in my quarter final I had a big fluke against the Carney yeah. um, got on the black and made 40 odd and, mm. and you know he doesn't do anything wrong and I understood that that could happen to you at any time mm. so I was just enjoying it game by game I took mm. it 10 minutes by 10 minutes at a time um, really enjoyed it the crowd were very supportive mm. it was nice to do well in, in front of me family and friends yeah. who come to support me but also the great thing about that event I mean it's, I know a lot of snooker fans are not on board necessarily with the, with the format but it's it's not like we're at the Welsh Open this week it's not eight tables and you're out on table six everyone gets their chance don't they in the limelight and it's up to you then to try and make it work as you did and of course as Michael did by winning it well exactly that you know in all the other tournaments in the year you don't play a TV match unless you're playing one of the mm. top eight or the top 16 you know and then it's very hard to to win against those guys you know you can have your day but it's hard to beat them over a season on the TV but you know that's the challenge that we're all set by so the shootout is great in a way because it's open draw you know you might play a lower rank player might play someone else who's ranked around them you know, and they're both getting a shot on the main table in the limelight, bit of experience, you know, and even though they're only ten minute frames and, and stuff, winning out there in the limelight, you know, creates a lot of confidence and a lot of belief. To say actually, you know, I can do it. It's not that scary out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And you want to take that forward now into the, the sort of the established ranking events. What are your sort of immediate ambitions? I guess to sort of Firstly, bed in on on the tour and not be worrying about relegation again. But then, just keep keep improving. Is that is that the plan? Yeah, I I believe you can't you can't stand still in sport. So um, I set myself targets through the season, you know. And if I reach some of them targets, I reassess them going forward. Um, so I'm always looking to improve my game. Um, I've had quite a few TV matches now. To be fair. Um, and I've played well in a few of them and struggled to get over the line in a few of them. So hopefully the shootout, I can use that experience to push me forward. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that's where I want to be playing my snooker as often as possible. Mm. Um, so you would need to be comfortable out there. You need to want to play out there and want to win out there. But my targets now, to be honest, I've, I've given myself a good solid base um, so far this year. I want to finish the season strong. I've still got four tournaments to play in. Um, so anything can happen. So I would, yeah, my, my ambitions are to, to get myself in the 64, the 48, you know, get myself well in. So this time next year, I'm not, I'm looking up, I'm not looking at, am I keeping my tour card and stuff like mm. that. You know, I believe I can get myself into the top 32. Um, and I've believed that for a long time, but I just need to go out there and prove it. Mm. The other thing about being at a tournament like, like the Welsh as we are this week is everyone's here together. It's not like there's been qualifying beforehand and people have fallen by the wayside. So you get to observe sort of the other players. Do you sort of learn, not necessarily from watching them on the table, but how they conduct themselves, some of the top players sort of around the tournaments? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I practice with, with a lot of them, mm. because I'm always talking to them. So I practice a lot with Stuart Bingham 
as well and I'm always picking his brains um, and I'm always picking Anthony Hamilton's brains about stuff and what to do and you know what you should be doing but to be fair Ian McCulloch you know he gives me a lot of advice on that side of things you know he's been there done it worn the t-shirt um, you know it's easy to waste time and waste energy when you're at tournaments um, but you're here to work you know we're all you know it's a good snooker family out there we're all friends and stuff but you know you want to beat each other though that's the point yeah <laughs> when you got the table yeah. yeah no one else is going to pay your bills mm. or, or create a lifestyle for you mm. so you need to go and do that yourself so when I come away first and foremost is uh, my build up to the game basically mm. so you're glad that you persuaded your parents when you were 16 to, to follow a life in snooker absolutely mm. absolutely I said to them um, when I came home from the shootout I said you know not made it or anything like that but I said look now we can see that that decision all them years ago mm. that was very hard and and looked like the wrong decision for a quite a lot of years mm. hopefully now it's actually turning around mm. you know and I can do them proud and and one day you know I'm looking to win a tournament mm. so you know once I achieve that you know I'd love to go and have the trophy and just go here you go mum and dad it was yeah. worth it in the end Brilliant. Okay, well, wish you luck, Martin. Good luck for the rest of the season and thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks very much, David. Cheers. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.